0: Hey class, welcome to our podcast, Spill the Tea. Today we'll be spilling the tea on health and healthcare. Joining us today is Josue and Sierra and myself, Brianna. Okay everyone, so this is Brianna speaking right now. We have an eye-opening topic to discuss this morning. We're going to be addressing social problems in health and healthcare. We've all attended the doctors before, right? Whether it be for a bad cold or possibly a broken bone, all remember those packets of papers that we had to fill out and two questions always made an appearance. What is your race or ethnicity and what is your medical insurance? You may identify as Asian, Black, Hispanic or even Native American. You may also have poor insurance. That is when medical institutions use that against you to leave you with the highest expenses possible. We will be focusing on people of color who become very sick but are denied medical insurance and treatment at the doctor's, and also where conflict theory ties into that.
1: Hello class, my name is Sierra and I'm ready to spill the tea about institutional racism in the United States healthcare system. Minority health status has eroded, and there have been no significant improvements in the removal of barriers that are due to institutional racism. Since 1980s, there have been low birth rates and life expectancy in the African American community. Because of institutional racism, minorities have less education and fewer educational opportunities. Minorities are disproportionately homeless and have significantly poor housing options. Communities with a high proportion of minorities are more likely than predominantly white communities to be exposed to environmental toxins, including lead and asbestos. Minorities work in jobs with higher physical and psychosocial health risk, such as factory workers and fast food workers. Institutional racism in health care has affected access to health care and quality of health care received. Disproportionate closure of hospitals that primarily serve minority communities. Minorities disproportionately excluded from nursing homes because of Medicaid policies, which result in fewer expenditures on minority populations for nursing home care. Also, disproportionate number of racial minorities have no insurance, unemployed, or are employed in jobs with no insurance benefits. The crazy part about all this is our United States legal system has been reluctant to address issues of racial discrimination that result from policies and practices that have a disparate racial impact. The legal system, however, will address issues with racial inequality in schools and the workforce, but they won't address healthcare issues. Federal governments have taken no action in addressing rights enforcement problems in the healthcare industry. The done with 36,831 respondents, all of different races and cultures. Within those th- respondents, Blacks and Hispanics were most likely to report poor quality in healthcare. This is not because doctors are inherently racist, it's that we're working in a system that is centered around racial inequality for different minority groups.
2: Alright, so by now, you're probably feeling really depressed and thinking to yourself, this can't be true. But despite the overall improvement of life expectancy in the United States, which is 80 years old, we still lag behind other high-income countries when it comes to healthcare. There's been a lot more research being done on how social class affects health outcomes. And historically, poor people just haven't had access to healthcare services. I mean, as college students, we can all relate to that. We are worried about getting injured because we don't have health insurance. A lot of us are not insured. We take part-time jobs just so that we can come to school and hopefully get a better better paying job that will give us health insurance coverage. And the truth is that in lower income communities, there's not much education on the issue of health when it comes to nutrition, eating healthy or exercising, especially if you're an immigrant and you may not speak English, you're just not getting the information that you need to take care of your health quality. In our textbook, Social Problems, Continuity of Change, in figure 13.5, it breaks down how the rich report having better health care service when compared to lower income families who report having poor health care quality. And by the age of nine months, poor children are already more likely to exhibit poor health and lower cognitive and socio-emotional development. That means it's impacting their brains. By the age of three, poor children are two-thirds more likely to have asthma than children from wealthy families. And a lot of this is due to environmental racism, which is when poor people who most oftentimes our people of color are more likely to live in urban areas and in other locations where there's unhealthy air quality, water pollution, hazardous waste, and other environmental problems. I mean, we live in San Bernardino County, which is known for having poor air quality. I think it's the worst air quality in the state. In the U.S., the truth is that there's a social distribution of health and it's based on social class, gender, race, and age. Social class is the way that our country operates its stratification system, also known as a class system, meaning that people are separated into the upper class, middle class, and lower class. Also, this is going to affect the mental health of people who are poor. A lot of people who are living in poor conditions have high rates of serious depression and stress which is going to have an impact on their overall health quality one example of this is the so-called cancer alley along the stretch of the mississippi river in louisiana and it's populated by mostly african americans and 80 percent of these residents live within the three miles of polluting um, industrial facilities and have high cancer rates that's according to Sarnasky 2011. Karl Marx's view of medical care was that the health system mirrors society's class structure through control over health institutions, stratifications of health workers, and limited occupational mobility into health professions. So that means that in the u.s as we've been discussing healthcare is a business and it employs lots of people and as long as they're sick people those people who are employed by the health system will have a stable job so now that you've had some data on the issue i challenge anyone who's listening to get more informed on this problem or join a local organization who's fighting for a better health care and encourage your loved ones to get informed as well It's more than numbers, it's about people. All right, so now that we've spilled the tea on the data and put numbers on the social problem of healthcare disparities, let's talk about the institutionalized problem, institutionalized discrimination overall, it's very evident and clear in medical institutions we see how insurance companies are run like businesses and a lot of times they are charging so a high a price for these medications that people can't even afford them and we saw a little bit about that in the movie sicko by michael moore directed by michael moore uh sierra's here with me so i want to kind of get her thoughts on it what do you think sierra what do you think about the movie
1: you know i i understand that we live in a capitalist society and everything's about making money But we're talking about people's lives here. We're talking about life or death. There are people dying out of here from chronic diseases all because they can't get health insurance. Um, The part of the movie that I think affected me the most was when the insurance worker who talked about how she was getting information from people and she would know automatically that they wouldn't be approved. She showed that long list of pre- existing conditions that disqualify you for health insurance and it was almost everything like this could be anything anybody and you know i just want to reiterate i just think it is sad and we really need to do something to fix our health care system people are out here dying this is life or death and i just think these health care insurance companies are just too focused on money i mean what do you think
2: I have to agree. I think that, like I mentioned before, healthcare is run like a business and it's big money in the United States. It's one of the things that uh, the United States spends the most money on. Uh, And a lot of people are employed in the medical field. So for them, it's a stable job. Sick people is a stable job for them. So as long as there's people uh, who are struggling to eat right eat healthy get exercise you know take care of themselves people who are not educated on the issue they're going to fill up those clinics and employ those nurses those doctors who are going to charge that amount of money for uh, giving people treatment you know and some people can't even afford it like you said before like me personally my personal story is that my mom was diagnosed with cancer when it had already uh, advanced to stage four so for her as an undocumented woman in the united states she didn't have access to health care so for her the only choice was to You know let the disease run its course and she decided not to do chemo because in the back of her mind she thought you know it's gonna be too expensive so luckily social workers were able to get her some sort of coverage get her hospice care but she passed away two months after having been diagnosed with cancer so it just it spread throughout her body so quickly and intensely Uh, I'm honestly thankful that she didn't have a prolonged you know journey of pain because cancer you know, kills people very slowly and painfully so that's just a personal experience that I've witnessed and I'm sure that even our listeners right now have family members who the first thing they think about when they get hurt is oh my god I don't have insurance like when I get hurt that's the first thing I think about I'm not insured right now because I took a part-time job if you're not a full-time worker you're not going to get the benefits and then within uh workplaces they're not giving you for full-time hours because they don't want you to get the benefits because it it's so expensive they don't want to cover you
1: right wow Oswe, thank you so much for sharing your story i think that like it just really hits home with other viewers and as well with me that we really have to do something to fix the institutional problems with our healthcare system people are out here dying and it's just it's not fair it's not right and we have to do something about this it's just not it's just not okay for this to happen
2: definitely and i think just talking about the problem right now and kind of learning from it in our textbook and in the movie is a great start so i encourage everyone just keep learning keep educating yourself and let's get it
0: Now that we've discussed the history of racial and ethnic inequity in health, now we want to explain why this continues to be a social problem today. So we're going to start off with talking about the lack of access to health care insurance for minorities, as well as quality health care. According to the Social Problems Continuity and Change textbook published by the University of Minnesota Libraries, the lack of health insurance or poor health insurance among the people of color is a significant reason for their poor health and even mortality. The 2014 film Sicko, uploaded by M.M. Flint, shares a story where an African-American man named Tracy actually passes from kidney cancer because he needed drug treatments and bone marrow transplants, but the insurance denied covering costs because it was supposedly not a medical necessity. That's just crazy, right? And Tracy's wife knew that it was because of his ethnicity. If you watch the rest of the film, you learn that a lot of doctors working for the HMO try to deny the most patients of treatment that they can because the doctors with the highest percent of denials get a bonus and they're viewed as better doctors for even saving the hospital's money. A lot of the time, the doctors will even diagnose patients with a pre-existing condition that they may not even have just so that they can deny them from receiving the treatment that they're requesting. Not only that, but patients are prescribed expensive pharmaceutical drugs so that hospitals are even gaining more money back. So, clearly, minorities are easy targets for denial. Through the lens of conflict theory, you can see that the bourgeoisie are the medical institutions that want to make the most profit, and the minorities are paying funds that they simply don't have. Then the 2016 article, Racial and Ethnic Disparities in the Quality of Healthcare, by Kevin Fiscella and Michelle R. Sanders, it has shown that Minority patients have worse control for high blood pressure, blood sugar, cholesterol, and HIV because doctors may have racial bias when treating them. Even in emergency situations, the 2019 public health article, Emergency Medical Responders Confront Racial Bias, confesses that minority patients were less likely to receive morphine and other pain medication in the back of an ambulance compared to white patients. Also, if you take a look at a city like Redlands with Caucasians as the majority, you can spot plenty of sprouts markets and Trader Joe's around the city. But if you look at San Bernardino, there's more Stater Brothers or other grocery stores that might not have fruits and vegetables that are as fresh or organic as Redlands. So, people of minority are kept unhealthy, so thus they become sick and they're not treated for it. Next up are current events that are going around. Um, there's a lot of controversy about the decisions that Trump is making during his presidency. As of this year, the New York Times article, Healthcare and Insurance Industries Mobilize to Kill Medicare for All by Robert Pear, informs that U.S. doctors, hospitals, and drug companies are forming unions to prevent the idea of a democratic Medicare for All single-payer health system, or universal Medicare, whichever way you like to call it. Bernie Sanders is one of the Democratic candidates that's really interested in implementing this. But a lot of people are against this. They want to keep the Affordable Care Act that we have now, which, you know, where people are getting their medical insurance from their jobs and they're paying for it. Um, They feel that a whole new entire system will be too dramatic of a change for the way that doctors do business. And, it'll take away jobs from people working at insurance companies. But Karl Marx would say that these companies and insurance companies don't want to lose control over who they exploit for money. They want to keep making money. As for popular culture, addressing the people who are against universal medicare, these people have been posting videos and twitter posts trying to warn people that medicare for all is going to just increase taxes and give politicians too much power over medical decisions and they feel that most Americans are comfortable with the act that we have now and it's working but that's not the case for minorities and we all know that and also the people who are against it feel that it's not a good idea and this is probably because they already have good insurance and they don't really mind if other people around the country can't afford it if it doesn't conflict them they don't need to worry. As for college students, the 2018 article, Mental Health Disparities Among College Students of Color by Dr. Sarah Ketchin Lipson, a recent survey is shown done on 43,000 students, where students of color reported to experience greater levels of unmet mental health needs compared to white students. And, you know, colleges and universities are becoming more diverse with 40% of students identifying as minorities now. And these students are developing emotional distress and depression from people who are racist against them, people with Islamophobia, people who cyberbully them. But the problem is that a lot of staff and healthcare professionals that offer services to help them are coming from majorly a Caucasian background. And so the people, the students of minority, don't feel comfortable reaching out for treatment with these healthcare professionals because they feel like since they're from a Caucasian background, they might not understand them or they'll discriminate against them too. But as of lately in colleges, there's funding that is creating social media-based programs such as YB Men for Young Black Men, where youth is learning about mental health and They're gaining more social support amongst each other and they're sharing their stories and they're trying to not allow fear of discrimination to keep them from seeking treatment anymore because it's simply not right.
2: right, so in this episode of Spill the Tea, We focus on the conflict theory perspective on health and healthcare. So we have some questions for you all today. Number one, according to the data that was discussed today, how does social class influence an individual's healthcare in the United States? Number two, why do you think minority groups have a lower life expectancy in the US when compared to non-Hispanic whites? Number three, looking at the pie chart provided above, how much does the US spend on healthcare? Based on that amount, Why do you think that the US lags behind other industrialized countries in healthcare? Use functionalist theory, conflict theory, or symbolic interactionism in your answer.
0: So racial inequities in health and healthcare has survived throughout history and made its way to the present. People of minority tend to become ill from unhealthy conditions at home or at work, and they stay ill due to the fact that their medical insurers will not approve coverage for their treatments because they are minorities. Conflict theory can explain many areas of this corrupt medical system. People are suffering every day, dying from lack of access to quality healthcare, and the bourgeoisie continue to let capitalistic tendencies rule the U.S and Karl Marx would predict that a revolt is soon to come. So thank you guys for tuning in to Spill the Tea. We'll catch you guys later.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My creepy laugh is
0: going to be (laughs) recorded. I'm so (laughs) nervous.